Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Hudson Standish. And we've got a uh, fun show. We're back from a uh, week off. It's just uh, Thanksgiving, too much going on, and I decided not to record last week. Uh, But we are back this week before we get into our full slate uh, of topics. Hudson, how's it going? Doing good. A little bit sad that the regular season is over for college football, but we still have a lot to look forward to as far as Texas high school football. The early signing period is um, close and kind of, I guess, a natural segue. Portal season is fully here and there's been a lot that's been going down. Yeah, I, you know, I caution people throughout the year all the time when when they're getting so upset week to week of like, Hey, just keep the perspective that this season's almost over and then you're going to spend another offseason wishing for football. And uh, this isn't on our run sheet, but we're going to spend a lonely, cold offseason without the hope of NCAA hitting our uh, our PlayStations and Xboxes as well with that news. That's so depressing. I was so looking forward to, you know, getting two weeks worth of content out of playing NCAA 23 or whatever. Oh, but whatever. I'm I'm glad that they seem to be making progress with the game and they've been pretty adamant EA Sports has that it's not going to be a Madden reskin, which was a lot of people's fears when the, the game first got uh, uh, rumored to be coming back. Um, before we start talking recruiting, it's also World Cup season, which means um, I've been locked in on USA. That's and, and I'll watch some other games when they're on, but you've been keeping uh, insane hours. Uh, I think you have you pretty much watched every game that's available on on television. I've watched every single game. That includes a lot, <laughs> basically, you know, I, what a week to two weeks of four a.m. shifts. I was very happy once you get to the third uh, game in the group stage, they shift to uh, nine a.m. So that helped a lot. So I'm not completely on vampire hours, but I mean, Mike, you know, normally. I'm a night owl as it is, but the World Cup has just made it that much uh, that much worse. And um, I should say, congrats to the U.S. men's national team on advancing to the round of 16. We were both uh, sweating the game against Iran uh, out, but uh, Christian Pulisic uh, really sacrificed quite a bit to score the winning goal. He sacrificed his sack for America. Uh, I saw today they said he had a pelvic contusion. It's like, yeah, we get it. Um, I almost texted you this the other day. How did we not do a segment on which recruits and or college football players we feel would actually 
be a good fit on the World Cup team had they just spent their whole life playing soccer. Instead of doing the, like, oh, imagine if Derrick Henry was out there or Aaron Donald. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we'd have actually done the, hey, Evan Stewart played soccer. Yeah. uh, Imagine what that would be like. I can't believe we didn't uh, capitalize on that. You know who, if, you know, again, if he grew up constantly working on his first touch and um was in a you know soccer player and playing environment you know who which commit i actually think would crush it let me this is gonna be a homer pick for me i i think jante would be i mean he's built i think jante would be good i think again considering the build of like i think jante would be good are you thinking ryan i think ryan niblet would be really scary yeah yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else in the class, and I just don't think there is. I mean, you're essentially just limited to skill players. Yeah, anybody that's like a linebacker, let's take Like Malik Muhammad could probably be a good center back, but again, people always forget that. Like, I saw somebody talking about how, um, you know, uh, I can't, uh, Clay Thompson. Oh, Clay Thompson would be such a great soccer. It's like Clay Thompson's six 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 seven. Like, it's pretty rare. Uh, outside of you know your occasional big center backs for that type of build it's people always i think fluff those arguments because like the size difference is just sport to sport remember that jason terry was regarded as like one of the smaller players in the nba when he was in there and like he played receiver in college too he was like a six foot two receiver I mean, he's pretty yeah. big by receiver standards, but pretty small by the NBA standards. Same deal applies here. All right, it is transfer portal season, as you mentioned. Uh, the portal will open on Monday, and I guess I don't know what I thought. I thought, well, I got till next Monday to kind of start rounding the stuff up, but uh, the players did not agree with me. They all started announcing their intentions this week. Um, we should be clear off the bat that, They are announcing their intentions. Nobody in the FBS is uh, in the portal as of yet. They cannot be until Monday. The FCS portal opened up, I believe, last week. So um, if you see us talking about a guy and they're like, hey, you know, we're we're to a point where it's like we we can't really say it's because nobody can legally talk to them until they're in the portal. Exactly. And, I mean, I don't know. It's just such a funny deal of semantics where – I don't know. We were texting with some people yesterday of like, hey, uh, so-and-so's in the portal. And it's like, well, I just checked and they're not in there. Yeah, of course. No, nobody's from, you know, Division One football is in there. It's just an easier way to say intends to portal. But it was nice, though, Mike, because I was with you to where it kind of stuck up on me a little bit. But on Monday, we got a a nice, I guess, host of players from other colleges entering the portal. And then that kind of set us up for Tuesday. We were kind of in the mode when I think a lot of the candidates that we kind of suspected um, for natural attrition entered the portal from Texas. The only one that I'd say I was a little bit surprised about was a Jameer Johnson, considering he did play quite a bit this year. But at the same time, Jameer eventually did get benched for true freshman Terrence Brooks. So, you know, that one might not have been as surprising. I guess the headliners probably from a national perspective is Hudson card, who is going to have, uh, I think his, you know, pick and choose of where he wants to go to school next. And there are some intriguing options that are kind of already uh, being discussed behind the scenes. Yeah. I think he's going to have a very fun market uh, for himself at the, in the portal. Um, I could see, like you, when you look at guys transferring, you always kind of look to what are the natural links? Do they have a coach somewhere else that they played for at one time or a link to them? I could see NC State being involved with Tim Beck there having recruited him. I could see Georgia being involved as they were involved early. Will Stein is high school coaches at UTSA. So um, I think there Notre are. Notre Dame's been mentioned. Yeah, Notre Dame's another school in there that I think would be fun. And, you know, he's going to be one of the it, weird to say where we were, you know, at the beginning of the year, he's going to be one of the higher regarded transfer quarterbacks out there. And I think he should be like, there's a level of floor setting that I think Hudson card brings as a quarterback. I, I think my only, I guess now as a neutral, I just hope that uh, my fellow Hudson, Hudson card, I just want him to go to a spot to where he's not going to have to worry about potentially losing out on another 
uh, battle over the offseason. Like that's that's my main thing. I just don't if he goes to Notre Dame or you know whatever happens, uh, whether it's Georgia, I just don't want him ending up in a spot where he has to be the backup once again. Yeah, he's got to find a clear path. Which is easier said than done. Right. He needs to find somewhere that's got a clear path, and they are going in with intentions of him being the guy if they can get him in the portal. Uh, as far as Texas, when it comes to what we should look for in the next you know, next few weeks, and remember that the portal kind of mirrors free agency in professional sports. And in a lot of professional sports, you'll have that day one free agency flurry where it's like, okay, everything's getting announced. It seems like everything's moving quickly. But in reality, a lot of the a lot of deals are done in the weeks and, and months to follow. And I think that that's important to remember about the portal. Um, Hudson, I, I think for us, when we look at where Texas needs to be active uh, in that area, I think wide receivers a spot. I think offensive lines a spot, and I think safety's a spot. Um, I think you could probably make a few other arguments. Uh, what about you? So for me, it's wide receiver and edge are the two that I think are, are kind of, are the biggest on my priorities. Um, and Mike, I think that wide receiver is a spot to where they are going to be patient as hell. Like, I do not think that you're going to see them. Um, you made a great point with the like day one free agency comparison. Like, I don't think that they're going to immediately look to set the floor. I, I could see them taking two or three potential difference makers to really, I, I guess, just raise the ceiling of the 2023 offense. Um, you know, and I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. For me, Edge, I just want I just want a difference maker at Edge uh, to pair with Baron Sorrell, who I thought really came on strong towards the end of the season and upgraded from, or I guess upped his game from really good run defender that occasionally can get to the passer to just out and out great, you know, great Edge. Yeah, I think also you could look to interior D-line. They're losing a lot there, so maybe they could add another piece there. Um, I think linebacker was a spot we had circled, um, and I think if they get Anthony Hill, that probably closes down the possibility of taking a portal linebacker, unless there's one that's just too good to pass on. That's what I was going to mention, too. I'm so happy you said that. There's also an element of best player available that I think the staff is going to keep in mind. The good thing is the roster is in such a better spot than it was when Sark uh, took over that you're not seeing as many glaring needs. I can look at every position group and give you a difference maker on campus already, right? Which yeah. feels kind of crazy. The fact that there's a good chance that Tavondre Sweat returns, Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton finally took steps that we needed them to see. At Edge, I just mentioned Baron Sorrell, but like they also really like what they have with some of the true freshmen in that group. I don't think it even needs to be said that Jalen Ford potentially returning would be one of the biggest storylines of the offseason after he got robbed of Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And then in the secondary, you have a lot of intriguing pieces with uh, Jade Barron and uh, I think Jaron Thompson really uh, just, I guess – upped his game too so it's just finding best player available not necessarily having to rush into some of these uh portal ads that especially in his first year but i think you could also say a few this past season that maybe we're out of necessity more than just looking to solely upgrade the roster yeah, and we'll have a lot more on the portal next week, including I think the Stampede's going to feature a lot more in-depth preview of what we can expect uh, in the transfer portal. Can I mention one more thing on the portal before we uh, bounce to the next topic? Sure. I kind of threw this out to you. People have been complaining that offensive line doesn't need an addition, but if Kyle Flood feels like he needs to take an offensive lineman, don't you think it's fair considering – how well he's done at Texas that if he really feels like he needs to get a guy or if there's a specific target that, um, you know, I, he really wants to add. I don't think of the, of the hires Steve Sarkeesian made on his original staff, that there is a coach that has been more impactful than Kyle Flood since his time in Austin. And if he feels he needs that, they give it to him. 
You know, he's yeah. he's pulled a lot of the right levers with the offensive line. And I know they took a really talented class last year, but those guys still need time. You know, I mean, you saw Cole Hudson struggle at times. DJ Campbell struggled at times. Um, if you feel you need a one-year stopgap guy to play right tackle or something, you know, go go with that and and yeah. let him let him let him cook. So, and, yeah, I, I agree. I, I should say too. I, I feel bad that I didn't mention him the first time, but Andre Carrick is probably one of the bigger contributors that entered the portal. And if you feel like depth is a concern too, even if you don't think that it's a starter at right tackle, if you just feel like it's another body that you can plug into a spot and in case of an emergency, then I don't know, let Kyle Flood cook. I, 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 I It's rare to see a position group go from, uh, I guess, what he inherited to – what it is right now and i don't know complain if he just if he thinks that he wants uh to get another guy in there so that's just my thought before we moved on i think we all love uh positive affirmations on this show i think i can say with confidence kyle flood knows what he's doing yeah facts oh man um all right let's move on uh texas had a decommitment this weekend in the 2024 class aaron hampton the corner or I, I say corner the athlete out of danger field plays both ways a top 100 guy in the class i believe at least a highly ranked guy but top 247 for sure top 247 for sure this is one we've seen we saw for a while we've yeah. kind of cautioned people about i think he was probably regarded as the softest version of a commit you could have for quite a while and has been talking openly about decommitting for months now so mm-hmm. um I don't know how much there is to say on this other than I think he was barely considered a commit at this point and uh, certainly a good player. We'll kind of see where things go from there. It's a rare one to where I, and I believe you two were openly writing about the fact that he's a very soft commit and, you know, cautioning people not to really expect him in the class for the long haul or if he was going to stay in the class for the long haul, just knowing that it was going to be a bumpy ride. Um, obviously, we love all the podcast listeners, but this is one for sure to where if you're on Horns 24-7, if you're on the message board reading our VIP content, this is one that you were pretty well informed of. So shouldn't have come as a shock. Yeah, one guy in the secondary that they need to hold on to and work very hard to hold on to is Derek Williams. Uh, Williams, the five-star safety out of New Iberia, Louisiana at Westgate High School, will play in the state semifinals this weekend, uh, has said over the last week that he intends to maybe push his signing until February and take a bunch of visits. I think that uh, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, and Miami are the schools kind of being discussed for those visits. He's already taken one to Texas. Um, But, you know, the Longhorns are trying to get him back on campus as well uh, for an unofficial and I think really trying to uh, slam the door and get him to sign early. I talked to somebody last night who said that um, he, you know, they are they're very much trying to shut down the possibility of him pushing it till February. And I don't think anybody's overly worried right now. But when you've got a guy who who could sign in in December, waits until February, takes a bunch of visits, I think that it always opens up for a lot of trouble. it's not ideal um but at the same time this is one to where uh Derek Williams has all the leverage right like there's some other commits in the class who maybe have been hinting at visiting other places and Texas can kind of shut it down because it's like hey you don't have that power like we can drop you and find a equal level player to add to the class right not that case with Derek Williams who I genuinely think uh, Mike, if you know, when we're doing our May true freshman expectation show, the uh, sequel to last year's hit episode, Derek Williams would be at the top of my list. I think that he could play significant minutes for Texas next season. So it's imperative that they get that across the finish line, however it takes or whatever it takes, I should say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he is a true difference maker back there. Is a guy too that I think versatile enough to play in a couple different roles. Um, but you got to get him on the field early. I think Texas did a really good job, kind of, you know, taking command of this recruitment early, and they've got a lot of really good relationships. I think Terry Joseph's done an incredible job. Um, you know, there were times in the summer where 
Derek Williams would come up because they would invite half the new Iberia, the Westgate team to camp and things like that. And so uh, they, they're kind of reinforcing that. I think they've done a great job at that school. But like we said, anytime a guy is making other visits, you, you certainly have to worry. Speaking of visits, we will have uh, official visitor this weekend in Austin, Justin Benton, the defensive tackle out of, uh, is it Carroll, Georgia? Uh, no, that is, um, I believe it's Covington, Georgia, and he goes to Newton High School. Carroll 10 is where my dog, Julian Lewis, uh, plays. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, no, I just want to, I should say, Julian Lewis. Uh, leading to the Carrollton Trojans as a true freshman to the state semifinals in Georgia 7A. First time they've – I can't remember the last time they've been there, but regardless. Um, that, and that I, I think we should say is probably – the way Georgia has developed as a high school football state, yeah. I think – I don't know how I classify Florida. I think California's definitely fallen behind, but that's as impressive, almost as impressive as a freshman leading a Texas 6A team. Mike, it's tough, and I know that obviously we didn't plan to talk about this, but I was trying to think, because Florida is so weird with the classifications, I kind of think that Georgia 7A ball is the second-best second classification, yeah. second classification to play with, unless you're just including one of the leagues in California that has the top – you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, and you're talking about two teams. I exactly. Mean. That's a two-team race every year. Um, so, Justin Benton, let's get back to him. Uh, For sure. A, I guess you could say almost undersized defensive tackle. He's not the yep. big hulking body that Sadir Mitchell is. But a guy that I think has an interesting story in the way his recruitment kind of unfolded. He's committed to West Virginia. Um, but, Hudson, I asked you because you watched him first, like, well, what does he look like? And you said Byron Murphy, which is always music to my ears. That And it's almost blasphemous when I first told you, right, to where you're like, uh, I don't think so. But I, I wouldn't give that comp if it if it wasn't just. And, you know, Justin Bitten had an interesting recruitment to where he was an absolute baller as a freshman for Newton High School in, in Georgia. Um, and then I believe sophomore year, due to some COVID complications, he didn't really play much or the team didn't really play much. So he went to IMG Academy, and as it can kind of happen that we've seen with kids at IMG Academy, he didn't play much, and the entire fit was just odd. And so the senior season, he's just kind of had a breakout campaign, and even though he's committed to West Virginia, um, is very interested in Texas and has been listening to Bo Davis uh, with some intent. So this official visit and how Texas kind of pushes the buttons will be very interesting, but I like the fact that you almost have a an upgraded uh, – not I wouldn't say upgraded. That's not true. I, you have a similar fit to Keandre Coburn, Deer Mitchell, in the interior defensive line, and this kind of looks to me as a Byron Murphy eventual replacement. Um, we thought a catalyst for this could be Neil Brown getting fired at West Virginia. Um Neil Brown, it was announced today with the hiring today. of West Virginia's uh, Wednesday, as we record this, uh, of West Virginia's new athletic director that Neil Brown will stay for another year. Hudson, uh, how much do you think that that changes the math on this for Benton? And I guess, you know, his dad played at Georgia. Um, I think Georgia is obviously a childhood favorite. How much do you think factors of Texas going to the SEC? Uh, can help them win this recruitment. I think it definitely helps. Uh, as far as Neil Brown is concerned, it is it does kind of steady things. But at the same time, the fact that he's looking around in general, I mean, we kind of know how this is. If you're looking around, there's some element of, um, you know, uh, I guess there's just some element of he's considering other options. So, to me, this really boils down to hard how hard Texas pushes and how the official visit goes. We've seen that the Texas staff, when you have these individual um, or if there's, you know, maybe one or two more visitors uh, this weekend, those small settings they really succeed in. I think where they've had trouble 
are the really big events where not everybody gets to feel the same level of love. Like it's easier to host an official visit with three guys where you can just, I don't know, crush it as we saw with the uh, famous Leona Leifau, Spencer Shannon and Cedric Baxter official visit weekend, where we kind of hinted that all three were in great spots and they all three eventually committed to Texas. Yep, so we'll have more uh, on Benton following this weekend's visit. Speaking of Leona Leifau, uh, he won some honors over the weekend. He won a state title in Hawaii, and he was named the Max Preps Hawaii uh, Player of the Year. Uh, a, a fantastic season for Kahuku High School, uh, knocking out Punahou in two uh, two separate times this year. And Punahou is a – I think it's Punahou. I'm probably saying that. Yeah, it is. Um is a is a traditional Hawaiian power. Uh, Kahuku beat them twice this year, and I think I'd have to go back and look at scores. I want to say they shut them out both times. Talking about how good Kahuku is, I had I, I had somebody on the board that kind of took issue with the fact that I called them a powerhouse, and they said, "Well, you know, how big is Hawaii? You can't have a powerhouse high school." It's worth mentioning Kahuku only lost to St. Francis by less than a possession and lost to St. John Bosco by, I believe, 24 points. Like they that is, that's two nas- national top five teams that, I mean, Leona Leifau and that special senior classic Kahuku really competed with. And considering the fact that DeSoto got bludgeoned by St. Francis Academy, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's worth mentioning not only the state title and the fact that Leona Leifau not only won the Max Preps Hawaiian Player of the Year, but a lot of local outlets also gave it to him. Like it's a special run for a special team, and I'm he's one of the players that I'm most excited to get on campus early. He'll be there January sixth. There has been obviously some worries. We've talked about that, but I think Texas has really steadied the ship there, and I think Leona making a trip. Uh, to Texas for the TCU game on an unofficial uh, really helped that instead of going to one of those other schools. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Another guy I think that we should mention too is Sadir Mitchell at Bergen Catholic up in New Jersey, who I believe finished his uh, season on top as well. Yeah, we had three three commits playing for state titles last week. Uh, Leona Leifau and Steer Mitchell both won them. Spencer Shannon in modern day came up just short to John, uh, St. John Bosco. Um, so a, a pretty productive weekend for Texas commits playing in state championships. But for Bergen Catholic to get it back um, over, uh, did they play Don Bosco? They did, and I think they crushed them. Yeah, the Don Bosco, John Bosco always throws me off. Um, they did, and they that, that was their only loss on the season. So they got their lick back and got it in a state title game. Uh, Sadir Mitchell, uh, another guy that I think really important for this class, just a big body that can play in the middle of that defense and you know be in an SEC type of frame. He's going to be one that I'm very interested to see after the first um, after the first year of strength and conditioning. He has what he looks like because if he's able to keep the, I guess, same amount of mass, but um, I don't know, maybe just improve the first step a little bit. I mean, overall, I I really like him as a prospect, um, but I think that there's maybe levels to his game too. And, you know, I know that we talked about it, but just one of the naturally bigger humans I've ever seen. He's not at Peyton Kirkland level, um, but definitely up there. Yeah, a couple other commits seasons ended as well. Cedric Baxter fell short of a state title. So did Arch Manning. Uh, they lose in the, uh, I guess it was, would have been the quarterfinals to U-High uh, from Baton Rouge, a, a loaded team uh, there. And it kind of goes into the question of, you know, how to grade Arch Manning's senior season. I think um, he is, uh, when you look at the numbers. Um, I have them up right now, by the way. Okay, yeah, I was about to pull them up. Go ahead with them. 2,300 passing yards, uh, 138 for 228. That's 60%. And then the touchdown to inter- interception ratio, 34 touchdowns, two interceptions on the year for Arch Manning. Yeah, so the numbers were good. I, I mean, look, I think that everybody looks at him and says, well, he's the number one player in the country. He's Arch Manning. He should win state titles. And Hudson, I mean, I, 
For, for one, University High is a school that for years has been loaded with recruits and, and, and you know, really good players out of Baton Rouge. It's, it's uh, on, the, on campus, basically, at LSU. Um, and it's a really good team. And I think we've kind of illustrated before, there's just not a lot around Arch at, at Newman. I think he did a, a really good job this year. I think that what you want to see out of a quarterback is – uh, you know, limiting turnovers and things like that. Probably wanted to see that completion percentage up a little bit. Um, but overall, I think everything checks out pretty well. Yeah, I think that Arch took a step forward as a senior, which is all that I think you can really ask. The touchdown to interception ratio just, I think, underscores how good his decision making is, um, which is one of the, one of the parts of his game that I like the most. Completion percentage uh, that that honestly doesn't worry me a ton. And after get after seeing him in person and essentially having to watch his highlights every week, I think he's as advertised. You know, is he the number one player in the nation? Like for sure? No, I I, I think that there's been warranted debate around that, right? But I, I comfortably have him as a five star and as a top ten player, kind of regardless of where you'd slot him around the other elite quarterbacks and Nico Yamaliava and Malachi Nelson. And, you know, if you want Dante Moore in there as well, but regardless, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man, just he he's, he's a legit five-star quarterback and he plays like it. And I think that if you get away from the, you know, Twitter replies to tweets from, you know, you get the bleacher reports and 24 seven and overtimes of the world talking about him. It's pretty easy to see that. You know what's funny to me is um, people always take up the, well, if his last name wasn't Manning argument. And I kind of wonder if his last name wasn't Manning and you were just looking at a blank slate quarterback, would you, like, would the opposite happen? Would you look at him and go, wow, this guy's got a ton of tools? Uh, you know, maybe not that much around him, but he does the best with what he has. I think that argument goes both ways a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And and obviously something that we've talked about, you can't discount the fact that he is a Manning because he's going to be as prepared as any collegiate quarterback I, I can think of. Like the, the decision-making element that I just kind of referenced with the touchdown to interception ratio, like that, that's probably because, you know, he is so football smart. And I kind of saw it. I, I kind of got to see it with, you know, my own two eyes for that Manny game where we're on the sidelines covering it. I'm constantly around the Newman sideline, and I can hear Arch specifically telling his teammates stuff. Like, he's a very cerebral guy. So it's something you can't discount, but at the same time, if you were, I don't know, maybe he ends up in the exact same spot because he's a six-foot, you know, four quarterback with a ton of tools and pretty great production. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to uh, get in here before we move on to picks? I don't think so. All right, well, let's take a break and hear from our sponsors, and then we will come back with our high school picks. I miss them. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. And we are glad to reunite our listeners with our sponsors. Uh, what an electric ad read that surely was. This is typically the time. It had been too long. Yeah. It's, I mean, that week is, is too way too long for you guys to hear about those awesome promotions. Um, it's, it, uh, this is usually the time where we bring in our friend Guy Frazier to join us for high school picks. Uh, Guy will not be here 
uh, this evening because he is working on school. Um, I think uh, he's, he's got his picks in here, so we'll have those for you. But we're going to do the format a little different. We're just going to kind of switch off who picks first and who picks second since it's just Hudson and I. Um, last week, uh, I, I believe we went three and two. Collectively, we all had the same picks. We did record picks even though we didn't record a show. Um, and coming into the week, uh, Hudson at 47 and a half at 21, me at 46 to 22 and guy at 47 and a half at 21. So for a, uh, for a contest that is very much under protest still, um, until I pull ahead, uh, it is very tight as we head into the final weeks. <laughs> I'm, I'm just laughing because the half things are so stupid. Like it just, it makes sense that somehow uh, as we do this for a full season, it gets dumber and dumber, but, uh, for listeners who might have forgotten, uh, I chose the Rio Grande Valley in a bonus pick. Guy chose Corpus Christi. They split. Mike, unfortunately, was on the opposite side, so didn't get any half bonus points. But I don't know. It's it's fully off the rails, I think, the pick'em segment is. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's, you know, it's supposed to be fun, right? That's That's the point of us doing it. Uh, so, I mean, maybe we'll start throwing in some quarter yeah. points here and there. Is is betrayal fun? Uh, well, it was supposed to be fun. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Until, uh, you know, some things happen. All right, let's, um, let's get to our, our slate. It is regional final week in Texas. Always one of the best weeks in the playoffs. This is kind of the first bench uh, – Probably not first benchmark, but like the major benchmark for do you think a team can legitimately win a state championship? Um, and a lot of it depends on how they look in their regional final games. These are obviously pitting the best two teams in their regions together. A lot of times you'll get some great uh, rematches from districts if you've got a loaded district. Um, and uh, I think we've got a couple of rematches on here. So um, let's start with our first game. It is the 6A D2 Region 2. Uh, final. It is Friday night at Baylor's McLean Stadium. The 11 and 2 DeSoto Eagles against the 12 and 1 Clean Harker Heights Knights. Uh, guy did not put spreads on here, so I don't have spreads. But um, the Eagles are, I think, a kind of a prohibitive favorite uh, in 6A D2. Um, it's something they kind of pointed to when they went D2 is, hey, we think we can we can win this class and. Uh, I think that this is probably going to be their first tough test of the playoffs. They just, you know, they've they've had some games where they've played around a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think who they're at. Uh, Pflugerville Weiss certainly had them in a little bit of danger. Uh, early on, they crushed Rockwell Heath at a game I was at, and they took care of Tomball last week, a pretty pesky Tomball team that, that shows up in the playoffs and just uh, kind of ruins people's nights. They're going against Harker Heights, uh, the team led by Rashawn Sanford, by Texas commit Jaden Chapman. Uh, I think it's a rematch of last year's uh, by-district game. Um, and this, uh, I, th- I think uh, Tep and Steph brought up a good point when they talked about this game on their podcast. If DeSoto goes into this thinking it is the same uh, Harker Heights team as last year, I think that they are mistaken. This is, a, I think, a little bit more of a dynamic uh, scoring Harker Heights team. Uh, but I still think DeSoto should be the favorite here. Like I said, we don't have spreads, but I would say DeSoto is probably a, a, a nine-point favorite or something in this game. Uh, Hudson, do you want to go first or do you want me to? Yeah, I've got DeSoto. DeSoto was my state champion par- par- partially because they had such an easier road than Geyer, even though I th- I think Geyer has been incredibly impressive. Um, They've you kept know, some boxes. <laughs> They've yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I've got DeSoto. Harker Heights is kind of peaking, though, I will say, at the right time. They had a couple of results in the regular season that I kind of worried for them come playoff time, but they really opened up a can of whoop-ass on Spring Decaney last week. I believe that there was some, uh, per Jaden Chapman's social media, uh, Decaney was talking a lot of mess, and I believe even slid into uh, I think Jaden's girlfriend or one of his friends' DMs and was talking about 
how they were going to embarrass him. And uh, Texas commit Jaden Chapman was basically just pancaking uh, to Kenny Wildcats all night long. So I like that Harker Heights is speaking at the right time. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Houston commit with Sean Sanford, who is one of the more electric players in Texas and is the clean ISD all-time leading rushing uh, leader. So, you know, I, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but I do like DeSoto in this game. Yeah, I, that's a wild move from DeCaney, considering they you, you could have made an argument they had no business being in the regional semifinal uh, by most accounts. I mean, they pulled some upsets to get there. So, uh, yeah, I kind of – just a tangent here. I kind of – I didn't grow up in this era because we didn't have social media, and, like, the only time you would hear of something like this is when you were playing one of your cross-town schools, and, you know, you knew those kids from growing up. They might – say hey uh they might call you and say some stuff but like it feels like week after week we get this like wild you know they were talking this in the, in the on social and and saying all this type of stuff it's a it's an element that i i don't know how any of the guys that played ball at our school would have dealt with but uh, so it's interesting. I, I remember it was a thing when i was in high school but it was also like i if if when i was in high school it felt a lot less um I don't know, just uh, like nasty than it is right now. Like some of the stuff that I see is just like, why, why are a, J, why is a JV level talent talking this much mess to a, you know, future division one player? Like that, that's what kind of gets me, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm going to take DeSoto as well. I, I do think this is a danger zone game for DeSoto. And Especially kind of, if they let it get it, get it into a shootout. Yeah, kind of the first danger zone game they they will have run into outside of Weiss, and I just think that I mean they eventually pulled away from Weiss, but DeSoto's been so good, man. Um, of course, Jonte Cook, but really, you know, DeAndre Ryden at running back and um, and their quarterback. Uh, uh, why am I blanking on DeSoto's quarterback name? Uh, DJ uh, Bailey. Bailey. DJ Bailey has been really good this season. I mean, as as really. I think solidified their passing attack, which at times struggled last year. Their defense is good, not great, but I think they are good enough. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take them. I think this is probably like a 10 point game, 13 point game, something like that. I'm with you. I, I say I'm with you. I'm with you if Harker Heights is able to bring it. I kind of can't get the memory of last year's game, even though it is a different team. And I believe that the Knights are much better. Just I kind of can't get the visual from last year's first round game where DeSoto got whatever they want against Harker Heights out of my head. It was a trendy pick last year. I remember that. Uh, a trendy, I followed the trend. Trendy first round upset pick. And I it, it was trendy on this show where two thirds of it picked Harker Heights. But uh, I rolled with with my Dallas guys and, and they didn't let me down. So uh, hopefully they won't again. Let's move to our second game of the week, our 5A D2 region four final at Cedar Park's Gupton Stadium on Friday at 7 p.m. It will be the Austin Vandergriff Vipers versus the Dripping Springs Tigers. A tale of two teams coming into this. Vandergrift has uh, found themselves in the danger zone many times uh, this playoffs and uh, none so more than last week when they went into the half, kind of down to San Antonio Harlan by a couple of scores. They eventually uh, woke up and pounded them, but uh, kind of a scary spot for them. And then Dripping Springs has been the opposite. Dripping Springs has been a wrecking machine uh, throughout. We, I think like week six, you and I looked at each other. And we're like, is Dripping Springs a legit state title contender? And yeah. I think, I think obviously they find themselves here in the regional final. So they are. Mike. Even on our bracket breakdown show, I kept on kind of positing, like, is Dripping Springs good enough to not only win Region 4, but potentially beat Katie in a um, state semifinal? And the way that they're playing in the playoffs, I mean, I was talking about peaking at the right time with Harker Heights, but Dripping Springs has taken that to another level. Like, they look so good. Um, obviously, Dripping Springs won on walk-off field goal in week one against Austin Vandegrift. But I kind of like Dripping Springs by multiple scores here. Maybe that's too hot of a take, but with Austin Novosad, the Baylor commit at quarterback who received plenty of 
interest at schools at you know a higher level level than Baylor, you know, potential Ohio State and Texas A and M um, in the mix, and then Thompson Vickery, the uh, edge from Dripping Springs, that's a 2024 prospect. I really like as a uh, potential Texas level type of player. I'm just all in on the Tigers. I I kind of wish I would have picked them to make a state title game. I'm regretting it quite a bit. But Vandegrift isn't going to roll over easily. That's one of the better coach teams in the state. And they have some dynamic playmakers of their own, including uh, Damian Wimberly on the defensive line. Yeah, they're, they're good up front uh, on both sides. I saw them in the spring game. Uh, they've got some weapons. I think that um, – that uh, Drew Sanders, their head coach, not to be confused with uh, Arkansas linebacker Drew Sanders, is one of the better coaches in high school football. Uh, I think he's done great things with that program. I just, I in situations like this where Vandergrift has struggled at times in the playoffs to find consistency and Dripping Springs has found nothing but consistency, I'll stick with the hot team, so I'm going to also go with Dripping Springs here uh, to win the rematch. If Dripping Springs beats Vandegrift by three scores, would you consider taking that? I know that Katie, because of the you know name brand, is always going to be somebody that it's going to be tough for us to pick against. But at the same time, like, what would it take for you to favor Dripping Springs ahead of Katie in a sense state semifinal? Katie, I'm kind of of the mind of like Katie, no matter what, when they're in D two, okay. but. I think if Dripping Springs won a, a fairly simple blowout affair here, like a three-score game where they were never really in more yeah. than like a two-score lead, um, I would I would look at it. I would certainly look at it. I I really want to see it because I think Austin Novosad's a really good player. They've got some interesting players, and it's just a it's a program that you know we don't see much at AT and T, and we see Katie a lot at AT and T. So sorry if there's any sure. Katie fans. On the on uh, yeah, you know, nothing but respect for for what Katie's done. Um, nothing but respect for what Katie's done as a program. Obviously, you know that's been earned. It's not given, but at the same time, you know, it, you know some of it almost. We talk about it on the Dallas end with Duncanville about Duncanville always getting there, and it might be nice to see somebody else. But yeah, and, and let's be honest, it's Katie's system is extremely effective. It is extremely successful. But it's kind of boring, and well, you know, I don't, I, I don't. As as from our perspective of we're going to be at AT and T watching games, we just want to see some fun games. And so For I sure. think I think Dripping Springs um, would would provide a lot of fun if they're against Guy or, or against Carroll or against uh, Desoto. Absolutely. So. Um, all right, let's move on to our next game: two A D one regional uh, region four final. Uh, is going to be Friday, 7 p.m. at San Marcos' Rattler Stadium, uh, a very popular playoff venue this year, I may add, uh, as the Shiner Comanches take on the Furio Bobcats in, like, round 19 of this, uh, <laughs> yeah. this battle. Into a, it, it feels like they play every year, uh, which I think they have, right? Uh, you know, do you know what's insane? I vividly remember watching the uh, Shiner-Refurio game where Dalton Brooks was a freshman. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been maybe the greatest playoff rivalry we've seen. Um, and, and I would say that because I think if you look at, well, Duckerville North Shore played a lot. Yeah, but that's been really one-sided. For sure. Um, you know, there's a lot of schools that play often in the playoffs, but this has been a back-and-forth affair. Um, it typically... Maybe not this year with with Timpson looming, but it typically, you know, is the, yeah, the winner just, of this game is is a favorite at state, um, and so I think it's it's a really fun, uh, really fun matchup. I've got first pick in this one. I came in here just all in on Refurio. Um, I think we should mention Ernest Campbell, who we both saw at the state track and field championships as a lightning bug of a player at wide receiver. Uh, they've got a really good team and kind of uh, almost a, a rebuilt team. They, you know, Refurio used to be the the team of record in that region, yep. and they would just roll through everybody on the way to AT and T. And then Shiner kind of rose, and it, it it knocked Refurio down a little bit. It gave them a a worthy opponent. Um, but I 
do think that, you know, Shiner has been so good over the past couple of years, and they've done a lot of it behind Dalton Brooks, the Texas A&M commit. I've got to make a move here for the sake of the record of the pickle, even though it is very much under protest. Um, and I will take Shiner uh, in this one. By the way, we haven't announced Guy's picks. Um, Guy I was going to wait until this one just because he was the same with us for the previous Yeah, two he was the same. Period. Same on the other ones, DeSoto and Dripping Springs uh, and Auburn Furio in this one. So I was at last year's meeting between Refurio and Shiner with Nick Harris. We did a uh, road trip uh, down there, stopped at, oh, I'm blank. I think Brett's Backyard Barbecue in uh, Rockdale, which is a Texas uh, monthly honorable mention spot. Lovely place. Um, and I watched Dalton Brooks absolutely abuse Refurio. Put together one of the best single game playoff performances performances i've seen steve sarkeesian and blake gideon were there taking it in as well in victoria um and i think it's worth and also saw ernest campbell there kind of uh you know made a mental note of that who has a penn state offer you mentioned is a lightning bug camped at texas hasn't picked up a texas offer and Honestly, I don't think he will, but still a power five level talent, which at the two A division one level means a ton. Right. Um, but I can't get it out of my mind from last year watching Dalton Brooks just kind of put on the cape and get whatever he wanted against Refurio. I think Refurio is the better team. But that doesn't always matter at this level. I think the best player plays for Shiner. So I'm actually backing you. I'm rolling with the Comanches. Um, by the way, people disagree with me on this, but I think one of the finer helmets in, in Texas high school football is Shiner's with the old Shiner beer logo. It's beautiful. Um, I guess it's probably the city of Shiner logo that Shiner Beer has uh, co-opted. But, yeah, it's a great helmet. Um, all right, let's move to our next one, 6AD1 Region 4 final uh, down in the Alamo City. It is uh, San Antonio Brennan at 12-1 and versus the undefeated state champion Austin Westlake Chaparral's 2 p.m. Saturday at San Antonio's Alamo Dome. Um, and uh, an interesting one for the Battle of San Antonio versus Austin. Uh, Hudson, you've got the first pick here. Brennan really took Lake Travis to the woodshed last week, so I don't think that you can discount this as a potential matchup, right? You can't just go, oh, well, Westlake's going to kill whoever. Brennan uh, put away Lake Travis better than Westlake did. With that being said, I'm not going against the Chaps. I uh, am going to roll with the Chaparrales. Tony Salazar, I think, will find a way to keep Ashton DuBose, the stud San Antonio Brennan quarterback, in check. Um, even though I do, you know, want to give a shout out to our guy Tyler Turner, the Brennan safety and Oregon commit, uh, who has had a hell of a senior season. Yeah, I I just find it really hard to pick against Westlake at this point. Um and a lot of that goes to their defensive ability and what they can do on offense. They are not the dynamic Westlake team they were under Kate Klubnick, but they still run the ball very well. Uh, they still can. They still have Jaden Greathouse who can take over a game in uh, two different facets, either receiving or, you know, returning punts or kicks. I think they've got the overall talent advantage. I'm going to go with, uh, with them. Um, all right. Our last game is the 5AD1 Region 4 final. And it is uh, a big one for fans of the Valley. Uh, and maybe the Valley will make me eat my words. It is the Corpus Christi Veterans Memorial Eagles at 11 and two versus the far San Juan uh, North Raiders at 13 and 0 6 PM Saturday at Corpus Christi's Buccaneer stadium, PSJ North really cleaned house last week in a game that a lot of people thought they wouldn't be able to pull off. Um, and they are kind of rolling through and changing some narratives about the Valley. Uh, Hudson, do you want to add anything before I pick? PSJ North, I, I think one, one thing that I kept on harping on with my analysis was that, again, PSJ North is a drop down. So as it was Edinburgh Vela. So they have such a superior numbers advantage. And it wouldn't shock me if either of those schools bumped up to 6A in the next realignment. North had such a numbers advantage over Miller 
that I was thinking that would play a pretty big factor in the Raider uh, in the Raiders getting the win, but they not only I guess squeaked it out over Miller, who I think it's safe to say had the athletic advantage with uh, Sam Houston State wide receiver commit Lonnie Adkism and a really dynamic offense. But they kind of beat the brakes off of them. And I, I like North to do the same here. And I think that depending who gets out of Region 3, like North, I, I wouldn't be shocked if North made it to a state title game. That's what I'll say. Oh, that'd be interesting. Um, it would certainly – could you imagine the way – It would make me so happy because you know that there would be like 30,000 people making the trip. I'm trying to think. 5AD one game would be Saturday morning at AT&T. Um, which means they would have Friday night to make the trip in, which is is a big distinction. Because if you play the Friday game or the Friday afternoon game, you, you risk guy, people not being able to get off work. But if you're the Saturday morning games, we saw exactly. last year with Sock, who, look, had a far uh, less travel than anybody from that area. It, they can really pack that building. I'm interested to see what the Valley, because I think the entire Valley might show up. I'm going to make a prediction, and there is a larger than, you know, there's like a 95 to 99% chance that it doesn't happen, so who cares about the prediction? If Longview plays PSJA North in the 5A Division I state title game, the attendance record, attendance will, record. Attendance record will break. And it might be the loudest. I mean, it might double the the decimals that we heard during Longview and Beaumont Westbrook. So, oh man. Um, yeah, would be fun. I, you know what? I've been a long time Valley naysayer. I'm going to just, for the sake of everybody, I don't have any tight kind of ties to vets. So I'm going to get on board here to ride with everybody and let's see the Valley show up at AT&T. We said we want fun, right? What could be more fun? I, it, maybe they'll tailgate. What would the tailgate? Oh, could like? you imagine Okay, I know that we have a decent amount of Rio Grande Valley listeners uh, because I you know, see the messages and the board post. Appreciate all of you. Please make the trip up and just hit us up before, you know, again, this is so far ahead as far as chess moves go. But if any of this happened, you'd have to hit us up so Mike and I could show up at the tailgate. Like, that's all we ask. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Off the, I don't have brackets pulled up ahead of me. Who would be their likely semifinal? I believe it would be the winner of Smithson Valley and whoever they play. And again, Smithson Valley has been absolutely rolling. So, who could have seen that coming? Um, yeah, <laughs> nailed, nailed it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with PSJ here north and uh, hope they make it. And maybe we'll get some tailgate breakfast tacos on that Saturday morning of state. Smithson Valley College Station. Okay. Like, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, if Smithson Valley for some reason. That's winnable. Like, if it it was College Station and you force College Station to flip and they have to play a state semifinal in the Valley, like. Yeah, it's all bets are off at that point. So, exactly. Um, We'll see. Before we. Before we get out of here, Mike, can I mention, can I bring up uh, a few more games that I just feel like we should talk about? Yeah, there are some more good ones. Uh, I thought that there was two that probably should have been on Pickham, but again, guy's busy, so I didn't want to bother him. North Shore Tascacy to rematch is really interesting, considering that, again, what we've talked about for weeks about North Shore being, you know, really d- uh, diminished without uh, their star quarterback and Tascacita kind of fumbling the bag in the regular season, but gets a rare shot at redemption. Yeah, I. You called it in the regular season that if these two teams rematch, you pick Tascacita. And I've kind of always picked North Shore because they just had a Tascacita's number. I think I'd be with you if we were doing this on Pickle. I think I would have a Tascacita in this one. North Shore looks as ripe as they've ever had, which is just crazy because, like, three weeks into the season, it was the thought was who's going to stop North Shore? Nobody. Exactly. Um, if North Shore wins, I think that uh, John Kay kind of start solidifying his if, if he hasn't already status as an elite elite probably one of the best ever uh if they can win a state title this year with uh, kind of some of the hurdles they're facing considering that north shore has kind of struggled in the past two rounds i'm with you that 
he would go into that Mount Rushmore discussion with some of the legends and uh, basically would be the only other guy other than, I guess, Scott Surratt to as far as active coaches be on that list. So I don't know. I thought that one was worth mentioning. And then you've seen uh, both of these teams this year, Saturday at 2 PM Northwest ISD stadium in your neck of the woods. Didn't Geyer Southlake Carroll battle of unbeatens. That's very intriguing to me. I would have had Geyer and, you know, for the record, I think I probably would have rolled with North shore just because I, I, you know, picked a task to see it twice and they just burned me both times. So, but I, I'd be on Geyer here, but I'm curious your thoughts. I have unwittingly been a part of every Geyer uh, playoff game this year. And like, it wasn't planned. It was just every week I look at the schedule and Geyer has played a ton of Saturday games, which have been in short supply this year. So not a lot of options. So I've, I've seen every round Geyer's played in the playoffs their offense right now is playing at a level that nobody else is in the state of Texas. And Jackson Arnold has been incredible. Peyton Bowen has been incredible. Landon Sides, their wide receiver, is going to UIW, has been incredible. Um, last year, last week, they got a great bump from Trey Joyner, their running back. Jackson Arnold's legs have been a huge difference. I, I had Southlake as my original pick to win that region. I'd probably like that back at this point just because Southlake is playing without Caden Anderson, uh, yeah. their quarterback, and they've gone to be a much more ground-oriented team. But I think Riley Dodge is a heck of a coach. I think that his team's going to be prepared. I would probably go with Geyer in this one, but neither would surprise me. Landon Sides, I would be shocked if he was not a FBS um, commit by the time it's all done. Maybe Tulsa. Yeah. Um, who knows? Look at Tulsa, I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. um, another one that I think is interesting, uh, there's a couple, actually. I mean, we get the, for the personal reasons of this show, the Chapel Hill-Kilgore uh, oh. rematch. And uh, obviously that's caused a lot of bruising and scarring on the, the show in particular. Uh, we get, I think, Burleson, Centennial, and Alito in a rematch is interesting. You know, I, I love that game. Can I, one more for you. China Spring Anna is so compelling. Yeah, and I'm really on board here with – I've jumped full on the Anna bandwagon. Um, I really want to see that team do it, and I think that they've got some some destiny team in them. But um, China Spring's tough, and, and Anna may be possibly doing it without Breezy Dubar, who was injured last week. So I sent you um, a screenshot from an article I wrote, uh, I believe – two off seasons ago now, man, time's kind of flying about how Seth Parr to me was one of the top five hires of the off season. We left Lubbock Coronado for Anna. If somehow Anna's able to get it done and makes a state title game, or at the very least makes a semifinal or shoot, maybe even if they lose to eventual champion China spring and, you know, have a 13 and one season, their best in program history. I think Seth Parr probably should be the coach of the year for four. I, yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. He's done a, a phenomenal job there. All right, that's going to do it for our picks. We will have semifinal weekend next weekend, and then, of course, our state final preview uh, the week after that. Hudson, uh, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Um, I'll be at uh, Tomball Friday for Columbus versus Franklin. Really want to see, um, really want to see both of those teams. Maybe if that falls through, I'll go to McLean Stadium, uh, gross, uh, for Harker Heights to Soto. Uh, Mike, what's your schedule like? Uh, Thursday, I'm going to be making a non-work-related trip. I just want to go see a game, and some buds are going to see a game. So I'm uh, hopping in the car with Matt Stepp and meeting some of the Dave Campbell's crew in San Marcos for Edna and Lano. We are... Steph and I are seen as a collective bad luck duo for Lano, from Ashley Pickle, who's a Lano grad. Um, and she was like, the last time you guys were there, they lost. And I said, well, they had Jonathan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, they had they had Mr. Texas football on the other side. So not sure how much that had to do with it. Yeah, that, cha- uh, that changes the math a little bit. Which, uh, by the way, I will, quick anecdote before we get out of here. 
wasn't it hysterical on that Jonathan Brooks uh, state runner-up run where they essentially had him as the highest usage player probably of all time in Texas high school football to where it was like, okay, does Jonathan Brooks really need to be playing 50 snaps of safety in addition to carrying the ball every single down? They literally built the whole plane out of him. Yeah, they somebody made that joke and they were like, man, that's a great idea. Yeah. They were like, let's let's just use him everywhere. Um, he was covering kickoffs, like he, literally on punt. Re- he had like four punt returns that playoff run, and it was like, man, can we not just save his legs a little bit? Which unfortunately, it kind of caught up to him in that uh, state championship game against Jim Ned. Even though, still one of the best seasons I've ever seen, and a great performance in that game until it was just yeah. the end, and he needed to put it away, but. Yeah, I was kind of skeptical on Brooks when he first committed until I got to see him in that Lano game. And I thought, yeah, he's the real he's the real deal for sure. Um, so I'm doing that Thursday, Friday night. Uh, again, Guy and I have a blood oath with the SOC coaching staff. We are bound to them uh, for the remainder of their playoff run. Uh, so we will see SOC against Melissa, uh, which uh, it, it works because it's a game of multiple yeah. commits for us. So uh, it works for me. And then Saturday, I'm still a little bit undecided. I have credentials for Geyer and Carroll, and I've also got credentials for Burleson, Centennial, and Alito. So, where is Centennial Alito? Uh, it's going to be at the Star. Okay, so indoor versus outdoor. But weather forecast game. may determine where I go. Yeah, that one makes sense. All right, uh, that's it for me. All right, we appreciate you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys for following along. Uh, we will see you next week. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.